All right, welcome to the Alvin Galloway Show here on KRDP 90.7 FM in the East Valley. Streaming at listen, the number two, krdp.com. Hope you are having a fantastic Sunday afternoon. And finally, has cooled down just a little bit here in the Metro Phoenix area. I think today's high is going to be maybe in the 80s, high 80s, maybe low 90s. That's a heck of a lot better than 100 plus. So sit back, relax, enjoy your Sunday with your friends, your family, or just kicking back with yourself. This is the Alvin Galloway Show. I'm jazz artist Brettina, and I love listening to The Alvin Galloway Show every Sunday for conversation, information, music, and culture. So stay tuned as you tune in for an intellectual tune-up on The Alvin Galloway Show. How do we see our lives? Is it everything?
is Prince and the new power generation. Money don't matter tonight. And as they say, you got to make sure your soul is all right. This is the Alvin Galloway Show here on KRDP. And um, I guess first I want to talk about the shutdown or the was almost shut down. So uh, President Biden signs into law a 45-day, I don't know, a budget thing that the Congress had passed. And so we'll be back at it again in a few weeks. On this vote, the yeas are 335, the nays are 91. Two-thirds being in the affirmative, the rules are suspended. The bill is passed, and without objection, the motion to reconsider is laid on the table. House Minority Leader Hakeem Jeffries, a Democrat from New York, praised the work of his party to pass the bill. Quote, this spending bill was a complete and total victory for the American people and a total defeat for the extreme MAGA Republicans, end quote, Jeffrey said in a press conference. The bill overwhelmingly passed the Senate 88 to 9. And in the House, it was 335, 335 to 91 votes. Today, in a surprising turn of events, the government is open. Late last night, with less than an hour before a potential shutdown, President Biden signed a stopgap funding bill into law. The continuing resolution passed by both the House and Senate with bipartisan majorities will keep the government funded until November 17th. The bill includes disaster relief funds, an extension of federal flood insurance program, and FAA reauthorization, but no aid for Ukraine, despite widespread bipartisan support for it in the Senate. President Biden was quick to address the issue, saying in a statement that he, quote, fully expects House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to keep his commitment to the people of Ukraine, an expectation that could prove difficult for McCarthy. In the run-up to the now-averted shutdown, the embattled speaker endured one embarrassing defeat after another at the hands of far-right members of his own party. Now, after putting a bill on the floor that won Democratic support, he faces the threat of being ousted by those same members. And that could put the Republican speaker's future in the hands of Democrats. In 45 days, we could be right back where we, where we were just 24 hours ago, staring at yet another looming government shutdown as the nation and the world watches in wonder and horror at the messiness of American democracy. It doesn't have to be this way. It doesn't have to be this hard. But it will be, as long as Speaker McCarthy bends to the will of a minority of his Republican majority that came to Washington for the sole purpose of burning it down. The American people and American leadership around the world be damned. Joining me now in studio, Shalanda Young, Director of the Office of, Office of Management and Budget. Director Young, welcome back to the Sunday Thanks, Show. Thanks, Jonathan. Thank you very much for being here. So let's go, let's go back to the middle of the beginning, and that is the debt ceiling deal that was struck in early summer. What was in that deal? The deal was that we would keep spending 
at current levels. So there will be no cuts in things like NIH, Head Start, uh, Women and Children Nutrition. So programs Americans rely on that we see every day, Head Start. Uh, and the defense number would be the president's budget. Now, as you pointed out in your opening dialogue, uh, the speaker put bill after bill on the floor that violated that deal with deep, deep cuts uh, to everything from NIH to losing 12,000 FBI agents. Uh, and those bills, thankfully, uh, did not make it out of the House of Representatives. They would have been devastating. And, and what I'm wondering about here is you know, it's not, this wasn't just a handshake agreement. This was a law. This is, the House passed it, the Senate passed it, the President signed it into law, and we averted going over a cliff with the United States not honoring its debts and, and, and obligations. How is it possible that the Speaker didn't honor that deal? I'm trying to understand why we were in this position in the first place. Well, Jonathan, please don't ask me to explain uh, the thinking <laughs> and not living by the deal. Uh, all you have in this world, I was taught from a young age, is your word. And it's not just a word, it's the law. Um, and thankfully, uh, the speaker decided to work with bipartisan members of Congress who want to live by the deal, do the right thing, get out of this brinksmanship. Uh, and that's what happened. When we lived by the deal, when the speaker put that bill on the floor, guess what? Democrats showed up, uh, enough Republicans showed up to avert uh, the worst case situation, a shutdown. That was MSNBC reporting with Jonathan Capehart. McCarthy said after uh, that slim victory, after that victory, just moments ago on the House floor, we passed by overwhelming numbers the ability to keep government open for the next six weeks. And because of, uh, of that, with the help of Democrats, Republicans are now, I think, going to try to remove him as Speaker of the House. So the saga continues on the dysfunctional Republican Party and leadership in Congress. Now, the thing is, and the problem is, is that uh, Kevin McCarthy, the majority leader in Congress, he's from California, uh, wanted to become uh, Speaker of the House so bad that he sold his soul to a bunch of extremist MAGA Republican devils. And they are sticking him with their pitchfork. And they uh, are holding the puppet strings on his actions and reactions. Now, if McCarthy hadn't sold his soul and promised to do certain things, one, he probably wouldn't be speaker. Two, we wouldn't be in the mess that we are in currently with him as speaker and the MAGA Republicans uh, controlling him. So he was able to uh, get some Democrats um, to push this measure through uh, for the 47-day uh, reprieve 
of uh, the shutdown, that, that the country would not be shut down as would have been last night at midnight or this morning at midnight. And the problem is that a lot of these politicians, they don't feel the effects of a shutdown. The regular people feel the effects of a shutdown. When you have to go to work and not get paid, that affects your life and your family's life. When you have to go to work and you still have to pay for child care, but you are not receiving a check, how is that going to make you feel about the things that this country is doing, that these politicians are doing. If you are serving in the military and you are not going to receive a check, you are in the military serving this country, protecting this country, but you have certain politicians want to keep you from receiving the money that is owed to you. And it can go on and on. When you are receiving benefits from this country, rather uh, you receiving uh, food benefits, SNAP benefits, or child care benefits, or whatever it is, and it stops because you have these idiots that are holding your life hostage because they are trying to make some kind of political points because they want to shut the government down because they want the president to look bad. They want the country to suffer, and they think that when it suffers that it will be the fault of the president, but in actuality, it is their fault. Now, some politicians get this and were against having the country shut down, and even some Republicans were against having the country go through a shutdown but when you had 45 occupying the White House for four years poisoning uh, this country poisoning the environment that this country is built on and poisoning uh, I would say the Ability for people to have civil discussion, to agree, to disagree. This is what we have. Now, this could have all been avoided if people would have gotten out and voted when 45 was running against Hillary Clinton. And some folks were supposedly not excited for her as a president, uh, didn't feel that she would do what is right or whatever the excuse that they made. But you see the ramifications of those decisions. Uh, the ramifications is that we have a very conservative Supreme Court. Uh, we have some very conservatives in leadership positions in Congress and so on and so forth. So, as they say, you reap what you sow. And we are reaping 
the problems we saw in the 2016 election. This is the Alvin Galloway Show on KRDP. One way listeners like you can support KRDP is by becoming one of our sustaining donors. Your financial gift supports the diverse programming you hear on KRDP. It also provides opportunities for youth, interns, and members of the Valley community to learn radio broadcasting and for coverage of local arts, culture, and politics. And don't forget, your financial contribution is tax-deductible. For more information or to sign up to become a KRDP Sustaining Donor, call 602-254-6636 or visit our website, listen, the number 2, krdp.com, and click on the Donate button on the top menu. And we thank you for your generous support of KRDP. Thank you. 
Herbie Hancock, Chameleon, 1973 off the Headhunters album. Yeah, still jamming in 2023. Now that song is a little long. I just played a portion of it. I think it's 15 minutes long. But they jamming all the way. The main man, Herbie Hancock.
That is Donald Byrd and the Blackbirds here on the Alvin Galloway Show with the song Flight Time. You know, that used to be, uh, you remember back in the day, some of you don't remember because you weren't even born then, but some of you might have been born. (laughs) For those who were born back in the day, uh, we used to have answering machines. And so my message on my answering machine would start off with that beginning of the song with the airplane. You know, you hear the airplane because I I was renting a house in Tempe on uh, university, and the address was 407 West University. Remember it well, because, yeah, I won't go into what, what all went on there. But, uh, but on the second floor, which was really an attic, um, but the owners of the, the house had turned it into like a living quarters. I guess they had rented that part up too, but I had the, I had rented the whole house. But the window on the second floor, it looked out uh, to North Tempe, and you could see the planes uh, landing and taking off, you know, as they climbed and declined um, to Sky Harbor Airport. And so I was like, oh, I think I'll use that uh, for my, my answer machine. And so, yeah, you had... And it began with Flight 407. And actually, I had a little gallery, a uh, photography gallery in the house uh, called uh, Flight 407 Gallery. Give you a little history <laughs> of, of Alvin Galloway back in the day. Now, that's a, that's a long song, too. Um, it's not as long as the Herbie Hancock song. This this song was only eight minutes long, so you you got a portion of that. Now we lost a a great leader in this country. You know, as um, I talk about leaders in this country, and then we have some that has courage, and some that don't. Um, just recently, just a few days ago, uh, Senator Diane Feinstein passed away. Uh, actually, her full name is Diane. Actually, her full name was Diane Goldman Berman Feinstein, and um, she was, I guess, what ninety. 90 years old, you know, at the, toward the end of her life, um, people were calling for her to resign um, because they don't, didn't feel that she was up to um, the task of being a senator. And she uh, suffered some illness and I think injury and, and those type of thing. And, uh, and so they had called for her resignation. But she had said that she would um, not resign and fulfill her term uh, in office. Um, came up a little short um, in, in that matter. But she, um, she has a, a, a unique history uh, in, in politics. Uh, she was a native of San Francisco, uh, graduated from Stanford University, 
and she was elected to San Francisco Board of Supervisors in 1969 and was the first female president uh, of the board in 1978. And during that time, uh, there was assassination of the mayor, uh, Mayor George Moscone and city supervisor Harvey Milk, uh, which drew um, uh, national, uh, national attention because uh, Harvey Milk was a, um, uh, a, a gay a supervisor and uh, I forgot the gentleman who, or the gentleman, but the the fool who who shot both of them. Um, but yeah, and it brought attention to the assassination of um, of a gay a leader because uh, Harvey Milk was a very outspoken individual for gay rights and everything in San Francisco and also nationally. And so Feinstein succeeded Moscone as mayor and became the first woman to serve in that position. And during her tenure, uh, she led a renovation of the city's cable car system, uh, oversaw the Democratic National Convention in 1984. And despite recall attempts in 83, Feinstein was a popular mayor and was named the most effective mayor in the country by City and State um, magazine in 1987 and she ran for governor in 1990 lost but was elected to the u.s senate in a special election in 1992 uh, and then in november of 92 she became the first female u.s senator uh, shortly after that she became the state's senior senator when alan cranston Cranston retired in January of 1993. So she's had a long uh, political life and uh, she has done more, uh, done a lot for um, uh, women's rights and uh, uh, and also for uh, gun control because she authored uh, the 1994 federal assault weapons ban was in effect until, you know, uh, I think when Reagan was in office or whoever was in office, I forgot, it, it it expired. And unfortunately, we have the situation we have now where we have a, a plethora of uh, gun violence and assault weapons in the hands of people who should not have that. And by the time of her death, she was the oldest sitting U.S. senator and a member of Congress, uh, the longest serving senator from California and the longest tenured female senator in the history of this country. So we salute uh, the life, legacy, and the spirit of Diane Feinstein, U.S. Senator Diane Feinstein. There was something else I was going to mention, and then I forgot what it was. That's what happens when you don't write stuff down. And I meant to write it down, and it slipped by me. But since we're on politics, kind of on politics, the uh, city of Phoenix um, is redrawing its district maps um, because of the population change every 10 years after the census and what have you. Uh, The 
districts are kind of changed because some districts have more people and some have less and so so forth and so on. And so uh, that is going into effect. So if you live in a certain district in the city of Phoenix, you might want to go to their um, their page, the city of Phoenix uh, website, and uh, see how that map is being drawn. Uh, because I remember years ago um, when it was redrawn and uh, District 8, which was uh, governed by, well, it's governed by the whole city, but uh, the councilman for District 8 was uh, the Honorable Calvin C. Good, the longest serving uh, councilman in uh, the history of Phoenix. And, of course, Councilman Good was a black man. Uh, he passed away a few years ago and was a friend and a church member. We have church members at the historic Tanner Chapel AME Church. Um, but District 8 also included in that time um, Awatuki. And there was a push by the Awatuki residents who were mostly white. You know, yeah, some some black folks that live there. Uh, but mostly white to s separate themselves, become a different district. Um, and so they became part of District 6, which was uh, um, the councilman was Sal DeCicio, who was a pain in the you-know-what uh, Republican Sal DeCicio. And so, so for a number of years, because you had – you had this divide because you had South Phoenix, which was mostly District 8, and you had South Mountain, and then on the other side of South Mountain was um, the other part of District 8, which included Awatuki. So it, it included from, uh, I believe it was from Van Buren. Let me think now. Van, well, McDowell. All the way to Awatuki. It might be a little bit, you know, lower than that, but I can't remember. Uh, might have been the freeway, which is now the 10, to uh, Awatuki. But then you had it redrawn, so you had District 6, which was like Arcadia, um, East Phoenix, uh, from like 24th Street to uh, Scottsdale, to the border of Scottsdale, and then from, um, I would say, I'm trying to think what north it was. I think it was uh, uh, maybe Lincoln and now down to um, uh, Thomas, I believe, or something like that. But then you had that patch on the other side of the mountain, Awatuki. So it was kind of strange, but in, to me, it was a racial thing. You know, they didn't want this this black man controlling uh, these upwardly mobile individuals in uh, in Awatuki, because you know Awatuki was see people who did fairly well. You know, you had engineers and you had uh, business owners and what have you. So you had a, a I'll say a more uh, highly highly income population 
in Ahwatukee who did not want to be associated with South Phoenix because South Phoenix had that uh, stereotypical um, uh, plant on them as far as it being uh, black and um, black run, black, majority black and brown area. So they want to disassociate themselves with that area. So it'd be interesting to see. I'm going to have to check it out and see what the new uh, district boundaries look like uh, in this situation. So this is the Alvin Galloway show here on KRDP. Local businesses are often less likely to promote their products and services on the radio like large companies do. KRDP offers business sponsorship packages for a variety of budgets and is seeking sponsors to help support the station and its programming. If your local business is interested in reaching the KRDP listening audience and individual donor community, please contact 602-254-6636 or visit our website, listen, the number 2, krdp.com and click on the sponsorship button on the top menu and then become a business sponsor from the drop down menu sitting on the top of the roof the bridge is on mine steam engines roll by the bridges fall down and so do my dreams Oh, you hear me calling your name The bridge is your time Your engine rolls hot If the bridges fall down Don't lose your head of steam Young man I'm counting on you And whoa, young man I'm counting on you Boy, I didn't make it too far But baby, you are the family star I'll tighten your seams don't lose your head of dreams Boy, you hear me calling your name The bridge is your time Your engine rolls hot If the bridges fall down Don't lose your head of steam Young man I'm counting on you And oh, young man I'm counting on you To get me to the other side Hey, 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 hey is new whatever you do is up to you but do me this do don't lose your head of dreams young man i'm counting on you and whoa young man i'm counting on you
That was the one and only Gregory Porter, Don't Lose Your Steam. That goes out to my good friend and fellow KRDP colleague, uh, Miss, I call her the queen of uh, radio, the one and only Althea Long, who is a big fan of Gregory Porter's, and so am I. So, yeah, it's a long story on that. So <laughs> if you haven't heard it before, I'll tell you another time. Um Kind of getting back to uh, Diane Feinstein, and um, it's going to be interesting to find out who uh, Governor California uh, Newsom appoints to succeed to fulfill the rest of her term, uh, because he had made a pledge at one time that uh, if given the chance that he would have a black female as the uh, next senator uh, from California because you know uh, the current vice president uh, Miss Kamala Harris is or was uh, a female senator from California and who has served served with um, uh, Senator Feinstein so but you know some are saying they don't want a caretaker uh, person in that position because usually if somebody's appointed sometimes they have you know uh, not regulations but you know that 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 person was just there to fulfill that term and not run for uh, the whole seat uh, the whole term of uh, that that uh, that position and uh, so there are various people out there uh, in several um, black females who are vying to become uh, the next senator from California. Now, here's a t- here's a quiz. Here's a a test for you folks out there. Who was the first black female senator in the United States? Okay, I'll give you five seconds. Well, maybe less than that. Tick tock, tick tock, tick tock. Okay, if you didn't get it. It was Carol Mosley Braun, and um, she was the uh, first senator, first black female senator, and of course she was from the great state of Illinois, my native state, and she served uh, one term uh, as senator from 1999 to 2000, well, no, that's, um, she was ambassador too after that. Um, she defeated Alan Dixon uh, in the primary. And I'm trying to remember, I think Alan Dixon was the, I want to say he was the Secretary of State of Illinois. I can't remember. But anyway, um, she has served in the Illinois House of Representatives from 79 to 98 and served as Cook County Recorder of Deeds from 88 to 92 and was elected to the Senate in 1992. So there you go. The first black female U.S. Senator, Carol Elizabeth Mosley Braun. And then after that, she became a uh, American diplomat, and, and lawyer representing uh, Illinois and United States. Well, and she was always a lawyer, but um, she was appointed as a diplomat 
I believe by Bill Clinton, I believe. And also George Bush, I think. So yeah, check it out. This is the Alvin Galloway Show here on KRDP. I want to give a shout out as we get ready to close out this session to a friend of mine who recently got married uh, about a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to mention his name because <laughs> he didn't want me to mention his name. But this goes out to him and his new bride, his new wife, his first wife. So it's his new wife. And congratulations to them and many happy years of marital bliss to the both of them. I don't know how he did it. And he must have put something in her drink for her to say she do or she does or I do or whatever it is she said uh, for her to walk down the aisle with him. So congratulations, my friend. And uh, the rest of you have a wonderful Sunday afternoon. Uh, continue to have a blessed week. And as I always say, remember, today is a great day.
Kirk Franklin, look at me now. I don't care what you've been through, when you've been through, what you're going through, all that. There is a possibility of redemption. You can do it. Just put your mind to it. This is the Alvin Galloway Show. Don't forget to check us out on our Facebook page, the Alvin Galloway Show. Check out our podcast wherever you find your favorite podcast shows. Check you out next Sunday. <laughs>